our sermon today is entitled Persistent Prayer. And uh, others call this section of Luke uh, Prevailing Prayer. Whatever you like, but I'd like to use persistent so that we can relate more to this word. The Gospel of Luke showed Jesus as the praying Messiah. Luke recorded more instances when Jesus prayed and taught prayer compared to the other three canonical Gospels. In fact, compared to all three put together, Luke records more prayer than any of them. In fact, he continues that in the book of Acts. He made sure he mentioned the prayer or the prayer meetings of the disciples. After a time of prayer, Jesus was praying. And after that, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. The Lord Jesus gave them the words or what to say, what to express. And uh, it emphasized vital elements, which we will discuss this morning. After he taught them to pray, he taught them to be persistent by sharing a story. Moreover, the Lord illustrated the goodness of the Father and that the disciples should trust in his goodness. So let's go back. Point number one. The Lord taught his disciples how to speak to the Father. So when we pray, what do we say? Oftentimes, we just know to say our needs. Lord, I need this or I need that. At other times, we, in our past, perhaps we, are, we were influenced by memorized prayer. And this sounds like a memorized prayer in our past, in our former religion. However, this is not a memorized prayer. This is a prayer with vital elements. Though you can pray this prayer in a memorized form from your heart, uh, yet the goal is to be persistent, not to be repetitive. There is a difference between being persistent and repetitive. Imagine this. You see, God is God, but he is a persona, all right? He's a persona. So you're a persona, I'm a persona, I'm a person. So can you imagine if you're a person and somebody comes to you and keeps repeating the same thing memorized? How would you feel about that? The moment you wake up, your children say exactly the same thing. Throughout the day until you sleep, and it's the same every day. As if there's no heart there. So Jesus was teaching them something not to say to the Father in a memorized form, but to share some vital elements. So he says, when you pray, Father. Can everybody say Father? Father. When we say Father, it is intimacy. Say this, Father. You come to the Father. You see, Jesus emphasized that God is Father. In the Old Testament, it was mentioned there, though it was not emphasized there. Jesus emphasized, when you come, say, Father. So when you pray, say, Father. Father, hallowed be your name. Respect the name. 
the name is holy. Treat the name as holy. In your mind, respect the Father. His Father, and yes, that is intimacy, yet we must hallow His name. Respect the name of the Father. Respect the Lord. Respect God. Respect Jesus Christ. Respect the Holy Spirit. Some have brought God to a level that He should not be. Because we know that He can be our friend, sometimes we lose the respect. And some approach God that way. They give you a modern approach to God where there is no respect. There is no fear of God. And that should not be the case. There must be intimacy, yet there must be respect. There's that fear of God. So coming to God, we come knowing He will receive us in Christ, yet we come in the fear of God. We come with the love, our love for the Father, and we also come with the fear of God. Then say, your kingdom come. So when we pray, we pray, address the Father. It's a form of praise. Father, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. You are Prince of Peace, mighty God, everlasting Father. Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the resurrection and the from and the we are the resurrection from the dead, resurrection and the life. You are our Savior. You are Lord. In the Old Testament, He is Jehovah Nissi, our banner. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is El Shaddai, the Almighty. So when we come to God, don't just come, oh Lord, I need you. Amen. That's great too. But if it's all about us and never about the Father, you don't have a healthy prayer life. Prayer is not just give me this, give me that. So when we say we must pray, we must first come to the Father, recognize who He is with intimacy and at the same time with respect. And then we say thy kingdom come. The longer version in Matthew 6 is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Which is similar. It's just like a repetition. Another way of saying, thy kingdom come, is your will be done. Because the kingdom of God, God as king, where he rules, his will is done. That's why when Jesus was after the resurrection, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Means I am king of all. Therefore, therefore what? Colonize. The word is actually make disciples of every nation. Therefore, colonize. Not in a earthly political sense. Not with guns and arms and cannons and tanks. No, but with the word of God. Make disciples, make followers of me. Not just people converting to another group. Not just people acknowledging that, yes, God exists and he is Lord and he is Savior. But actually following him. When we say, thy kingdom come... 
For the will of God to happen, we pray it upon ourselves. May your will happen in my life. I trust your will. I trust in your lordship. I trust in what you said in your authority. Then we pray for others. May your kingdom come or your will be done in the lives of my children and my wife and my church community and our nation. We pray for the kingdom to come. We pray for others to follow him. He is king of all. Therefore, go. That's why missionaries or missiologists use the term what Pastor Dave said, a Christian presence. A Christian witness. A place is not reached without a Christian witness. People willing to die for him. Gathering as a community. Willing to grow together. Without that, there is nothing. So we can do everything, help communities. But if we don't challenge them to follow Jesus, then it is incomplete. In fact, that's the harder part of the work, right? In fact, preaching is the easy part. And we should preach the gospel. But staying with them... Oh boy, staying with somebody who wants to follow, listening, praying. And if you're that, that's why we invite you in our small groups. They're not perfect. We try to meet as often as we can. Sometimes we even cancel. But we want to grow together as a strong Christian witness. Jesus said, that you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. We have to witness what happened. What happened on the cross. What happened in our lives. So we pray your kingdom come. You see before you even pray for my daily needs. Jesus say address the father. Uh, respect him. Yet love him because he's father. There's intimacy there. And Pray for his will. It's not what you need first. It's his will to happen. In fact, uh, remember that a disciple asked Jesus how teach us to pray. And the Lord was teaching his disciples. If you're not a follower, this does not apply to you, okay? You must be a follower of Jesus. You pray, thy kingdom come because a true disciple will think of the kingdom of God. A true disciple would think of the will of God. In fact, that is his desire. Uh, I like what John Piper coined a, a phrase. He said, Christian hedonism. I said, wow, so philosophical. It's actually about the Christian enjoying himself in God. We enjoy serving God, worshiping God. We enjoy praying in fact, to a point of enjoying uh, sacrificing and dying for him if need be. Because a true disciple thinks of the king and the kingdom. A true disciple is a son and servant of the king. Take note. Son, servant. Son, daughter, servant. Yes, we are blessed that he's our father, yet because we pray for his kingdom, we are also servants of God. Are you a servant of God? Amen. Oh, amen. We must be servants of God. And that's why we fight pride. We humble ourselves and pray because a servant should have no pride, right? I'm just a servant. 
We kneel down and say, Lord, we are your servants. What your will says, we humbly accept because that is our desire. And then Jesus said, give us each day our daily bread. Uh, but sometimes that's the first in our agenda, right? Our daily bread first, our daily needs. Then, oh God, thank you nga pala. Oh nga, I forgot to thank you. Father, you're so good. Uh, Panginoon, Panginoon. Yung pala, pahinginoon, pahinginoon. There's nothing wrong with asking for your needs, but that does not come first. That's why when we pray together in the prayer meetings, that does not come first. That comes somewhere in the latter part. It's first about humbling ourselves before God. It's first about thanking Him. It's about praying for His will to happen. It's about praying for others, for the will of God, the kingdom of God to happen in their lives. And then, forgive us our sins. Forgive us, Lord, our sins. Now, I'm not saying this should be in an order. You may use this as a pattern, but you can change the order. These are just the elements of prayer. Prayer is not just asking for your needs. Prayer is also just glorifying God. Prayer is praying for His will to happen. Some say pray His word to happen. If you know the word of God, pray for that to happen in your life. Pray for that to happen in others. The Bible said love is patient. Oh Lord, am I patient? Sometimes I'm not. So, Lord, may your, will be done, may your will be done in my life. Teach me to be patient. Make me patient. You're actually praying the will of God in you. That I may show what true love is. Because God defined it in the scriptures. Love is patient. Love is not just sweet and romantic words. Correct? I think the best gift I have for my wife and her to me is our patience with each other. Amen? Oh, not kind words is fantastic, romantic words. I say I love you every day. I can't recall a day that passed that I didn't say I love you. But it's more about the patience. It's more about not keeping a record of wrong. We pray for the will of God to happen in us. Not only in us, but to us, may the will of God happen in us according to the word. Then if you realize, Lord, I have sinned. I was impatient. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse my heart. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Because we also forgive others. Yes, part of prayer is forgiving others. Yeah, because we are human. Humans get hurt. Humans get insulted. Humans get offended. But as you grow in Christ, it happens less. You're less offended. You're less insulted. Even if somebody's trying to insult you, you just say, nice joke. <laughs> so if somebody insults you, you make it a joke. Oh, are you talking to yourself or to me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, 
So we pray. We forgive others. But the less you're offended, the less you need to forgive others. Amen? If somebody's upset, you just think, maybe they've gone through a difficult process. Huh? Maybe they've gone through a difficult process. You know, the good thing about I love my family, we're not perfect, but they anticipate when their daddy will be somewhat upset. They can anticipate that. Not all the time, most of the time. For example, I'm going through my dissertation last year. They already knew, stay clear of dad. They knew how to stay clear because I was talking to myself. I was talking about the online flexibility theory, says this, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I took up a DBA, Doctor of Business Administration. Some said it's uh, damaged brain activity, DBA. Uh, I, I said, no, no, yeah, yeah, that's so, also true, but it also means dynamic brain activity. So I have to answer these, these stuff. Pray for others, forgive others. Uh, no matter how painful, let me just give you a context, you see. Jesus, according to the word, through him, the worlds were created, okay? Through him, the worlds were created. And nothing was made that was made except through him. So the whole thing is his creation. Then he comes down on earth, gets crucified, insulted by his very own creation. And I believe that hurt very much. It's just like your own children crucifying you. His own creation crucified him and he did not lift a finger because he must sacrifice himself to pay for their sins you see Jesus should have lashed out and destroyed the world because he could but he did not a human thinking would say he should have but he did not because he's God and his ways are higher than our ways now think about this how many sins have we committed against him? How many sins have we committed against God? Every thought of lust is a sin. Every curse word when you curse somebody was a sin. Every hatred was a sin. Every gossip was a sin. We cannot count. I cannot count my sins against God. So I bring this to mind. If I have offended God so much because of my sins, yet he forgives me. Therefore... I have no right not to forgive any sin against me. I forgive you. Can you say that with me? I forgive you in Jesus' name. Why? Because in our name, it's difficult. But we do make that decision. I remember this preacher from Korea said, I grew up hating the Japanese they were 30 years under Japan. They were raped. They were oppressed. Their culture, Japan tried to erase their culture. Their natural resources sent to Japan. 30 years. Then he became a believer. And he had to forgive everybody. And I like what he shared. You know, every day I forgive the Japanese. In the morning I forgive them. In the evening, I hate them again. And then in the morning, I forgive them again. 
What do you do? You keep persisting. You know, when I tried that, I kept persisting on people who offended me. It comes a time you don't feel it anymore. Because you kept forgiving in Jesus' name. There comes a time God just takes it away with His Holy Spirit. And there's just nothing there. There was this story that I heard. He said, whenever... Oh, one of the brothers shared this to me. He's not here. Good, good thing. Uh, so he said, sometimes before, not now, but before he would have an argument with his wife. And uh, if they were to list down the offense they have with each other, he said he would lose the argument because his wife's memory was very sharp. <laughs> and he would try to forget everything and he would have nothing on the list. And that reminded me of another story about a couple arguing against each other. So they agreed, okay, why don't we just write all our offenses to each other? So the wife took the pen and a paper. More paper. <laughs> the husband took a paper, wrote something there, and folded it. And they came face to face. And the husband gave the paper, looking at her. He looked at the list. Okay, I'll work on this. Then the wife opened the husband's paper, and he just says, I love you. She cried, she broke down, and she asked for forgiveness too. <laughs> Oh, you can't do that anymore. It's already done, okay? I already told the story, so you have to think of your own strategy. <laughs> okay? <laughs> forgive. Children, forgive your parents. They're not perfect. But do not question their intent. Majority of parents really have their children's safety and their concern above theirs. I would say. But you cannot question that there is no kind of love there. God has put it there. Whether they like it or not, God has put it there. Forgive. Number two. Oh, not yet. And lead us not into temptation. Oh, we have to pray that we will not be tempted. We have to forgive others. Pray. That you will not be in a position of temptation. Do we pray for that? Yes, that's part of the prayer. Lord, protect me. Protect me from temptation. But also pray that you are not led to a situation where you may be tempted. In Manila, once upon a time, there was a street there called in Malate and Ermita. You know that? So that's called the, that's a pickup place, all right? For girls waiting for... Uh, generous sponsors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> generous sponsors. So in one church that I know, <laughs> some, some kid, young guy, had this idea. Why don't we evangelize the prostitutes? And then the pastor, you're not the one to do it. <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> You don't trust me, Pastor? If I'm playing the dialogue in my mind. Well, I'm trying to trust you, but I do not trust your testosterones at this age. 
You need sisters to go there. Do not lead us into temptation. Pray that you are not led to temptation. Yes, this must be prayed for. Jealous wives, give up the jealousy. Surrender it to God. Turn it into prayer. You say, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. May your word ring ever so loudly in his mind and in his heart. That Lord, when he is tempted, Lord, may the fear of you strike him in his heart. Okay, pray that prayer, ladies. And it might work. We pray so that we will not be tempted. And then the Lord taught his disciples, okay, now that you know this, what do you do? Be persistent. Be persistent. He illustrated his point by painting this situation. So, a friend, two friends, neighbors, one was receiving guests. In that situation, a guest is not like, I'm flying in. No, they traveled by land in camels perhaps or by foot. Guests were very tired and probably thirsty and hungry. And uh, from a long, long travel, some of them might even feel they're dying. <laughs> uh, so it, it wasn't, it's not like the guests we have today. And then the amenities were not the same as we have today. And their houses are not the same as the houses today. They have no electricity. And one design of a house then was uh, the manger is beneath. Animals were there and they sleep up. So they close the door. They have to pass through these animals. And without electricity, you might step on somebody there. And uh, so when they say, hey, friend, I have visitors. I need bread. I need food. Lend me some. That's why the response was, no, I've already shut the door. It means it takes great effort to give you what you want. I have to look for the lamp. I have to open it. I have to look for the bread. Or perhaps they have to make the bread. The point is there was great effort. That was the first response. No. And then because of his persistence and because they're friends, persistence, come on, come on, please. He will give as much as he needs. Now, this is an illustration. This is not an allegory. You know what an allegory is? You give a meaning to every character here. Oh, the friend is God. And the bread is this. You, you don't do allegories in parables. A parable usually, usually has one point. It's just like me doing public speaking. I do an illustration to illustrate one point. I cannot give a meaning to every character there. The point is persist in prayer. That's the point. Persist in prayer. Not repetitive prayers, but persist in your heart. If you're praying for somebody to be transformed, pray and persist in praying. If you are praying for something because you want to glorify God, you want to be used by God mightily one day, then persist in prayer. If you want to change your character because you see you did reflection on your own and you see that you are a sinner, but not just that, you have habits that keep repeating itself, habits that are no good, that might destroy your family or yourself, then you pray persistently. You wrestle in prayer. You pray for a location to be saved. We persist 
in prayer. Some of the books on prayer I've read, just amazing, some of these biographies. John Knox prayed one day, give me Scotland or I die. Wow. What prayer? He wanted Scotland to be evangelized by the gospel. David Brainerd, a missionary to the American Indians. It was very cold. For months he stayed there and no one was coming to the Lord. They were still in their pagan practices. He knelt down in the snow, desperate. And he has been praying and praying. But one time, when he was praying so intensely, the snow started to melt around him because of the heat of his body. And he sensed a breakthrough. And after that, the Indians were coming to the Lord. Ivan Roberts in Wales, for 13 months, prayed for the coal miners to be saved. So that they would open themselves to the gospel. 13 months persisting in praying. It's praying for the will of God to happen. 13 months. Till one day something changed in the air. Somehow the presence of God was there. And when he and his other friends began to preach. Somehow they came to the Lord willingly. As if something was drawing them. Of course it's the Holy Spirit. Charles Feeney has, in his autobiography, has visited so many towns. And every time he goes there, he would first pray. Pray so hard that he would roll around the carpet. And at time he would say, I struggled in my spirit because I felt something blocking. And then, I'm using my words, okay? Then he would say something, I felt a flood of peace. God will move tonight. Persisting in prayer. Because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Why? Why does God wait for us to be persistent? Let me tell you this. And I do believe this. Prayer does not change God. He's the same. His plan remains the same. What happens is prayer changes us. We are transformed. And as we are transformed... His Holy Spirit can use us to fulfill His will. The goal is to prayer, even to prayer meetings, is that we be transformed as a community. That's why when I'm discipling, I want them to pray. Not for the sake of they ask God for something. No, so that they would be transformed by the Spirit and by the Word. Because when you come before God humbly and say, God, I need you. May your will be done in my life. Instead of those formal prayers. Oh dear Lord, you are so good. It's like, like praying for the food. Some of us know prayer like that. Uh, thank you Lord and bless this guy, bless this guy, bless this girl. And this and amen. God wants persistent praying. Oh how I pray. Now I pray for you. But then I must be patient. As God through the years slowly has been transforming many of us here. I know if I just get mad at you, nothing will happen. So I limit myself to being firm. But then behind, I have to pray. Any pastor who does not pray 
is not doing his responsibility. Every worker, every disciple who does not pray for others, for the kingdom of God, is not doing their responsibility. So I invite you, friends, to persist in prayer. And the Lord encourages disciples to ask and keep on asking, to knock and keep on knocking, and seek and keep on seeking. Verse 9 to 10 actually says that, it says there, ask and you shall receive. It's not just ask and you shall receive. If you study more the context of that, the Amplified Bible, I believe, says it clearly. Ask and keep on asking. It's connected to persistence. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. You know how to pray. I gave you the words to pray. The vital elements are there. Keep doing it. Not just keep saying, but in your heart, keep persisting in prayer. And we will see Amazing things change. And the Lord also made his disciples understand the goodness of the Father. You know, he, there was this comparison. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, right? Like if, you're, if your son asks for a fish, will you give that son a snake? If he asks for bread, will you give a stone? Only the lunatic father will do that, right? Oh, unless for you're from a place that eats snakes, right? Uh, but it's still food. But he said then, but look at God. Huh? Look at the goodness of God, the goodness of the Father. If you ask the Holy Spirit, will he deny you? Will he give you something else? If you ask for the Spirit, will he give you something else? But here the Holy Spirit was not poured out yet. They would be doing it. They would be persisting in prayer in the upper room and the Holy Spirit would come. But now that the Holy Spirit is here in sal during salvation, regeneration of the heart, what do we do? We still ask for the, the Spirit in the sense that we ask for His move. The Holy Spirit is teacher. The Holy Spirit is guide. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The work of the Holy Spirit brings us to holiness. Makes us grow in holiness. So if we ask and keep on asking, will he deny us? He will not deny us. He will not deny you, my brothers and sisters. But then this applies to those who follow. Jesus said to his disciples, take note. To recap, let us approach the Father with intimacy and reverence in application. Let us pray for people to submit to his word. That is praying for the kingdom to come. Let us pray for our needs. Let us forgive others. And let us pray to overcome temptation. Number two, persist in prayer. Can you say it again with me? Persist in prayer. We must continuously pray even if it seems that nothing is happening. Even if it seems that nothing is happening, we persist in prayer. Keep praising the Father, Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Keep praising the Father. Keep praying for his kingdom, his will to happen. Keep praying for our needs. Never give up. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Don't stop. Remember the model of Jesus. He forgave those who crucified him. Keep praying to overcome temptation. Number three, let us trust in the goodness of God. Even evil men know how to take care of their children. 
Therefore, we must believe that God will take care of us. God takes care of us. You have to believe that. The more you worry, it means you don't believe. So I tell you, don't worry. The Bible said, do not worry. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing. You have to trust the will of God. What, what am I saying? What if I'm about to die, Pastor Ed? Trust the will of God. That everything will work for the good. Paul said, oh, that's a blessing. To die is gain. What if some of us will suffer? Trust in the will of God. Do we pray for healing? Of course we pray for healing. But we still trust the will of God. Do we pray for God to bless us? Go ahead, pray for God to bless you. But trust in the will of God on how He blesses you, when He blesses you, and in what way. See, prayer is not, God, do this. Prayer is not ordering God. And if you're so tired and you're so stressed, the more you should pray. The more we should pray. Don't give the excuse, I have no time. Can you imagine? <laughs> you're telling the creator of the world, I have no time for you. You're talking to the one who gave his son to die for you. And you're saying, I have no time to pray. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm. Think where you are. Think of who you are and who he is. So we don't make excuses. Trust in the goodness of God. He takes care of you. Give time to pray. Therefore, we must believe that God will take care of us and he will not deny us if we persistently ask for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work it's amazing. Galatians says it, it, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. The gifts of the Spirit is amazing. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, miracles, healing. It's amazing. So we ask for the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Teach us to persist in prayer. Knowing that nothing is impossible with you, we recognize our limits. We obey you, but we know our limits. But where we are limited, you are not limited. So we persist, we continue, we knock on your door. We ask and keep on asking. We persist, we wrestle with you and pray for your will to happen in our lives. We pray for your kingdom to come in the lives of us in our community. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. Let us all rise. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. May you have the spirit of prayer consistently now and forever. And everybody say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.